Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He's been here before, and he's going to be sitting in. My co-host, my partner in power, he is an executive uh, leader, civil rights lawyer, president of Democrats for Education Reform. Let me welcome back to the show, Mr. Shavar Jeffries. Thank you. Thank you. Such a blessing to be with you, Karen. Excited to be with you today. Thanks for having me. There's a story that's brewing uh, viral right now of Zach Stacy. I don't know him. Uh, he used to, I guess, be the running back for the Jets. I'm not watching football in, in the wake of the Kaepernick uh, exposure, uh, exposed the NFL for what it has probably always been. But when you know better, you have to do better. I can't I can't ignore it now. Right. I, I could pretend previously we saw Ray Rice do what he did to his wife and that his girlfriend who then became his wife in that elevator and then drag her out. This video, which seems to be on a loop on my timeline. Uh, have you seen it? Zach Stacey? I have not. I have not. All right. Um, I'm not even going to describe it to you. Then I'm not going to talk about it because you would have to see it to, cause I would love to get well, I'm your looking reaction. it up now. I'm literally looking right. it up now. Yeah. Um, oof. I don't know what we do with this. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know what we do with this, but this also has to well, be talked about. This also has to be talked about. 866-801-8255. So, um, and I'm happy to talk about that. You know, I, my, my, so just as I'm looking at a quick piece of the video, I'm looking at the description. Um, uh, I think I have the gist of it without knowing all the details. I lost my mother to domestic violence. So my mother was killed by my stepfather. Um, and because of my experience, <clears throat> I've done a lot of work in this area. And the most, the, the most, uh, the, the women have the most to fear from a man they already know in terms of their safety. And we have an entire culture and society rooted on, uh, ideas of male dominion over women's bodies and so again without knowing all the details here so i don't want to necessarily speak specifically about this the video um, the, the video idea... it, i don't give a damn what transpired verbally mm -hmm. that's right what what happened after this uh, it's not just inexcusable it's 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 heart-wrenching you know uh i wish i hadn't seen it but you know i i think we need to lean in because i think that there are far too many women uh, mm -hmm. who are in this situation and don't, please don't call up and say, well, women are abusive to men too. I don't want to hear it. The numbers no, are, are, stop. are, you know, um, disproportionate, uh, in its range and scope and, and then the silence, right? So anybody mm -hmm. that has been raised in a household, uh, with abuse can tell you, uh, that it's a, it's a dirty secret that nobody talks about, uh, and mm -hmm. that women are able to put on some makeup or, uh, you know, um, carry forth, go to work and do all of the things in this kind of tech. Cause this is terror. The way he put his hands on her, the mm -hmm. way he threw her around the room. He's done this before. This wasn't the first mm -hmm. time. This wasn't the second time. It was muscle memory. I mean, this is a running back in the NFL and these are some strong dudes, right? And, and men are typically five times stronger. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we were raised that little boys should never put their hands on little girls, but somehow it keeps happening. And I, I don't want to ask you to share your story, but I want to know it. I want to know it, Shavar. I want to understand, like, were you mm -hmm. in the house? What happened with your mom? 
And I'm happy to share. I've told this because to try to be helpful to others, particularly men. So when I was eight, we moved, my, my mom who had me at 18, she moved from Newark where I'm from to North Hollywood, California. And when she was there, not, not even, I was very happy because before that I hadn't spent a lot of time with her because she had me so young. Anyway, we weren't even there maybe six months and we had a broken lock. And the locksmith who came to fix the lock and my mom got into a relationship. Uh, she got pregnant with my little sister. They got married quickly. Um, it was actually in Las Vegas. And I thought we were actually in Paris because I remember the whatever Eiffel Tower they got over there and that nine years old from North. I thought that was Paris, but it wasn't. But anyway, they got married and as she was pregnant, I still remember this very vividly the first time. He was going through the phone bills. And back then, of course, it's the early 80s, they had the paper phone bills. You know, remember all that and long distance and everything. And so he was asking my mom questions, and it was a big man. He he was a he was a uh, he worked out at Venice at Muscle Beach in Venice Beach. My mom was petite, and he slapped her. Right, and I'm sitting there playing with my little you know Star Wars or whatever, and that would that would begin every several weeks. It'd be something new, some new trigger. I remember one situation. We're in the house. She closed the door, wouldn't let him in. He literally kicked the door down, dragged my mom out of there, and then she would tell me later she had grabbed some scissors with her and she was able to fend them off. We then fled. So he didn't know where we were. Um, and we were on couches of friends of my mom, even a little shelter for a while and another friend. And then we moved to uh, Burbank, uh, not too far from where we were in North Hollywood. November 25th, 1985, she went to work. He didn't know where we were. I might not be here right now because a lot of times these men kill everybody. He didn't know where we were because we fled, but he knew where she worked. And he waited for her at the workplace and she didn't make it out. Um, and he and I had to testify twice and he would say, oh, I saw her going and I'm and I wouldn't be shocked if there's some of this foolishness here. He said, oh, I saw her going to the workplace with a male coworker and I blacked out because he wanted to get manslaughter because there's the, the in fact, talk about sexism. The whole foundation of manslaughter is based on men killing women when they see them cheating. And so they created something called manslaughter, which is fewer years than intentional murder. So that's even oh, wait, hold sexism. on. Wait, no. Yeah. The manslaughter charge is directly related to men killing women yes. so that they won't get a, a murder charge. Yeah, the the the, the kind of foundations of manslaughter is what's called the heat of passion defense. And and that's rooted, there's other heat passions too, but it's really rooted in the history of the charge around basically men uh, getting triggered by things that women were doing and they get this alleged heat of passion and they black out and kill somebody, then wake up. So the idea was that's different than intentional murder. Um, so anyway, he did get intentional murder. So he's still, he's life without parole in the state of California right now. But my point is this happens to women all the time. We lose women multiple times a day in this country. It's a problem with men. There's never any excuse for putting your hands on a woman, period. It's small men who are really boys, they're not men. We've been, they've been acculturated into an environment in which they think they have dominion over women's bodies. So they don't want to be with them or they want to leave them. Um, and they can't. And then, of course, it's also connected with men not being able to express emotions. Uh, men, we haven't been acculturated into being able to, ex to express and communicate verbally. So the stuff stays within. And men, a lot of men have been acculturated to use violence to resolve disputes. You put all that together. It's a mess. Um, and violence against women is a worldwide problem. And we just can't tolerate it. And, and it's a men. It's men have to hold men accountable. Right. I'm oftentimes in conversations and I do a lot of work in this where women are, are and I'll see other women. And I'm like, where are the men? This is a male problem. Get it together. If she, she ain't got to be with you. First of all, she ain't got to be with you. She don't want to be with you. She ain't got to be with you. Go keep it moving. And if you're upset about something, figure out a way. Become a man. Learn how to communicate. Learn how to engage. 
And so my view is, is not outside of the conversation we just had. I actually do think this is an area where we got to start throwing the book at some people. Um, and obviously we got to keep track of making sure that it's not racially discriminatory because almost everything in criminal punishment in this country will be. But we got to be clear. You put your hands on a woman, what this brother apparently did to this woman, you need to pay a serious price. It ain't accepted. We ain't going to tolerate it. It ain't no excuses. We're going to lock you behind up till you can get it together. What do you make with, um, and, and thank you for sharing that, Shavar. Um, I had no idea when I brought this story up. It just, it's sitting with me. Because as we suss through racism, you know, I remember um, my mom and dad talking about, you know, my my grandmother was 12 when she had her first child. I've said this before on the air. Um, But there was a lot of brutality in that house growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, To to be 12 and then 14 and 15, 16, having eight children before you're 24 uh, with a man considerably older, my grandfather, first child, not with my grandfather. There was a lot of brutality brutality and you know it was talked about in a very matter-of-fact way and then I think about the south right and how we model behavior we model behavior anyway so uh men who are raised in homes where there's abuse tend to be abusive right um even if they hate it they women who uh see abuse you know tend to also attract men who abuse right if they're in a household no matter how much you say you don't want to be like it. But I think about black people in particular, you know, in the South, in these places where we're also combating racism, right? So you can't express your full self in, in the world because you could be lynched, you could be, you know, un, unhoused, you can lose jobs. You, you're fi- literally fighting for your life. You come home if you're a woman with the frustrations of being black in America in that man and you're getting your ass beat every night there's no 911 to call in the deep south in 191800s 1900s right who do you call who's coming to rescue you right uh we had a bit of a respite during the fruit of islam period where you know they may go gather some people up but there's no protection in our community in in addition to having to deal with a racist system racism then we don't talk about this. So R. Kelly is allowed to do that for decades. We're, we're, we're defending it. Ray Rice, oh, he should get his job back. Well, the white boy beat his wife. He's still in the end. Like, we'll do that. But I feel like the standard should be higher because we have so much more to contend with that I don't really care that the white boy still got his job. We should have a higher standard for how we treat one another. How do you feel about that? I agree a thousand percent. I think it's never, it's, there's no excuse. There's no, we're defending them and got to protect brothers from the white man. No, get it together. First of all, to be a man means you're in the process of learning yourself and, and managing, managing yourself, number one, so you can figure out how to engage and resolve differences. If you're not there, that means you're a boy. So we're not going to make excuses for you. Um, and so, you know, all of that, well, I, I couldn't be myself when the white man, all that stop. It. First of all, black women are, are everything to us. Where would we be as a community without black women? They, they, they have, they have, uh, uh, led us in getting us to where we are. I think we should absolutely have a higher standard. There is never any justification. And then also we have to attack our culture. Right. I mean, I can I mean, if I can't I can't listen to and I love rap. I grew up on rap, love hip hop. I can't listen. I mean, it's, it's replete with uh, disrespect of women, objectification of women, 
male dominion over women's bodies, sexual objectification of women, that contributes to this culture. It's replete with all types of songs. She lived, she leave me, I'm gonna do this, that, nothing. She better not get nobody my stuff, all of that all over the place. So that's sending a signal to our young people that that's appropriate. So I absolutely agree. We have to have a higher standard. Um, we need to cherish our women. Women are everything. Our black men are amazing too. It's not either or, but in the context of this conversation, um, you know, and to be honest with you, I'm a part of a group of brothers and I don't get in all of it, but we're the opposite of that. We hear about, you know, well, I ain't gonna get in all of it, but just the yeah, point, yeah, you know, yeah. we say hear less, about people say doing, less. Say Yeah, less. you got it. So you know what we're talking about, but we got to get to some of that too, right? Not only we're not going to tolerate it, we, we, you, you need to be afraid of somebody else, but you better be calling the cops if we hear about that. Shavar Jeffries is here. How did you become this man in the midst of, in the wake of losing your mom at nine, at, at, you know, at such a young age, in such a violent way, um, to be this, this amazing human being? How, what, what was that process? Boy, what, a question, what a question that is. You know what, honestly, Nancy Johnson, who is my grandmother, so that was my mother's mother. So after I lost my mom, she, she raised me. Robert Johnson, uh, even though he and my grandmother were separated at that time, he's just an amazing man. They only be, grew up in uh, segregated Florida, didn't get an education past seventh grade, but probably the smartest and most honorable person I've, I've ever known. Um, he was actually very sick. He actually died the week after I graduated from high school and he was sick, but I think he knew I would be good at that point. Um, Regina Johnson, my aunt uh, who passed in the spring, um, just the embodiment of love um, and support. Um, my Barbara King, who just passed uh, October 13th, another aunt of mine who, who was there for me at all times. Great teachers and great educators, the Boys and Girls Club of Newark counselors who were, were there for me. And frankly, actually connected me with a scholarship. So I went to this college prep high school. Then I'd be the first, you know, go to college through that. Through that. So really, a whole village of people um, who loved me, who believed in me. Um, a grandfather who showed me what a real malehood manhood looked like. Who was the sweetest? He wouldn't. He'd give you the shirt off his back. He wouldn't hurt anybody. And so I thank God for them because even in the midst of these difficulties that I had, that I talked about. I had some beautiful people in my life who really, you know, made me into who I am and who is still highly imperfect. I got a lot of work I got to do myself, but, you know, um, to the extent I'm doing some decent things is really because of them. Mm, God bless the village. It does take one. Uh, and we're not alone. Uh, I love the stepping in the gap and, and all being each other's keepers. 866-801-8255. And I really, really do appreciate Shavar you uh, sharing that. Let's go to Buster uh, in New Jersey. Welcome. Hey. Karen Hunter. Hey. I sent you a text. Oh, Dr. Soares. Why you call up as Buster <laughs> in New Jersey? I know your voice. Well, she told me, she, listen, she told me, Karen, okay, what was your last name is? Dr. Reverend Buster Soares, who hosts a show right here on Urban View Sunday mornings. You can hear him. Uh, and uh, thank you. For, uh, so you, you just called up. You're driving around and you called up. What's no, happening? no, listen. I, I, I sent you a text because I, I need to come on tomorrow to talk about something. But today, okay. you know, I know Shavar. I know his story. I don't want you to miss the fact that religion contributes to this domestic violence problem. So let, let's not, if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. Black pulpits have taught black women that God hates divorce. And as a result, black women have thought that they owe it to God to stay in abusive relationships. And you, 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 you don't have 
a more culturally influential institution in the black church. And until the black church starts helping the liberation of black women, then the black church is complicit in the victimization of black women at the hands of black men. Mm. Mm. I, I hope you are uh, going to address this during one of your shows uh, on Sunday, as well as I need you to answer the, your tweet that you put out about the black uh, banks, because we all want to know, inquiring minds want to know the three that we need to be uh, leaning into. But no, I appreciate that perspective. Shavar, you know, you know, Reverend Dr. Buster Soares. Absolutely. I mean, the, the pastor is a legend, a legend in our state in terms of uh, advocating for everybody with definitely communities of color. So it's always a blessing to, to be with him and to hear his voice. And, and I appreciate that perspective as well um, in terms of how we can yeah. create a space in our community to protect our women. And, and hold on, yeah, Dr. Soares. Um, hey, brother. Yeah. Uh, so that Smith can, can uh, make sure you're booked on tomorrow. Top of the show. Let's let's have him kick off the show for the first five minutes. Okay. All right, eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. You never know who's gonna call up. Uh, I promise no. you, this, this is never, this is never, uh, you know, orchestrated. Harvey in Vegas, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thank you for calling. How you doing? I was hearing how you were saying. Just seemed to be attraction to that. Uh, I had a friend that was with a guy who was abusive to her. Now, when he left her. He tried to kill another woman after her and end up in prison. But the next guy she went to after him ended up killing her. And I, I, it always bothered me how she seemed to be attracted to, to those type of guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, the psychology, I feel like, Shavar, we need, count, we need a lot of therapy. And we don't, I was, I was, I was dealing with the situation today. I, you know, I created this social media platform called Nubia and there's one, you know, there, there was an interaction on there this morning and I'm struggling with how to, to manage it because, you know, there's pain involved, pain that I understand again is if you've lived a certain amount of time in this world being black, you know, you're going to carry around with you a whole lot of things that you've had to stuff inside and your safe place, which should be your home. Sometimes is not because you don't have the tools to be able to communicate those emotions that you talk about. You know, we've had several, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists. We've had some amazing human beings on talking about this very thing. Uh, who's the brother that uh, wrote the book? Men don't cry. Smith. We've had him on several times. Men don't cry. Uh, Jason, Jason, Jason Wilson, Jason Wilson, who is doing God's work out there, uh, you know, just really helping men, black men in particular, navigate these emotions because, yeah, you're, you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to feel. You're not supposed to do this. So where do these emotions go? They got to go somewhere. I mean, there is literally a physiological cleansing when you cry. Like something happens in your body that's good. Tears are good. But we're teaching our, you know, young men not to do that. And then the interactions, like you mentioned, codified in our music. You know, bitches ain't but hoes and tricks. You know, like we got all of these lyrics that ain't nine problems, but a bitch ain't what. You know, like every lyric seems to have us as a bitch. I couldn't even enjoy this latest. Um, you know what's his name? Uh, uh oh my goodness. Um, he's got uh Bruno Mars and um Silky Sonic. Yeah, it's a pack. So they got a new song out, right? And it looks really, it sounds great, and then. 
when Bruno Mars comes in, he's dropping that bitch word. And I'm like, mm. come on, dude. Like, I mm-hmm. can't enjoy this song because you've already identified a woman as a bitch. I'm struggling with you right now. So I, I literally turn. And I'm like you because you are what you eat. So we And we have to be mm-hmm. pristine in our diet at this point. So, I mean... This is this is a tough yeah. conversation, but it's one that needs to be had not by you and I as much, but by people who are listening who may be um, involved in domestic violence in an abusive relationship right now. And you know, as, as Buster Sori said, you know, <laughs> it it the religion. I can't get divorced. I can't leave. But then you leave, mm. and and what happened to your mother happens. She well, left. That that well, that's right. Well, and that's and no question, and that's and that. That triggered the chain of events that led to her death. Um, and, um, you know, and so, yeah, because you hear that, oh, why they don't leave? And of course, the real question really should never be why doesn't she not is why is he doing what he's doing? Right. And I, and I think um, that part should not be tough for us as a community to say, we, you know, if we can boycott as we should, um, you know, and cancel folk who are engaged in all types of racist practices. Um, we need to bring the same accountability, and I agree with you. We should have a higher standard with that. You calling you calling our, our our sisters the B word? We ain't buying that music. You ain't welcome here. That ain't welcome. It's not only not that; it's the opposite. That's that seems to be very uh, appropriate. It's you people use it very casually. You objectifying women in your music? You ain't welcome here. We're not supporting that. We canceling you for that. Um, you put your hands on it now. Again, I think we do have to have a space for redemption. So for those who want to learn and grow and get to a better space. But when you're engaging in violence like that, you're gonna have to go pay a price first because we got to send a very clear message. That ain't that ain't acceptable here, ever, period, right? So all this stuff you'll hear, oh, she ain't want to be with me. She cheated with me. Like the man has ownership over the woman and her body. We got to unpack that and get past it, but we never will if we make excuses and act like it's okay. Yeah, I was thinking uh, Ross Baraka was out at um, Howard this weekend um, and his sister was murdered. Uh, by her sister's husband, who was looking for her, came, knocked on the door, and then shot her and uh, Rayshawn Holmes. Both of them murdered. Uh, and that was a domestic violence, you know, situation where he was, you know, coming to look for uh, her sister, Wanda. Uh, you just think about all of the lives that have been upended. And, and again, some of you who have lived through that in silence, didn't tell anybody. Some of you who are currently in it, going to work every day this pandemic has been really rough those of you who were in the homes with your abusers and couldn't leave you know um where where's the respite and it should be the church right as buster sorry said but the church has has been complicit on some level in many ways now i'm not indicting all pastors but where's the safe place for people hey this is karen hunter you can listen to the karen hunter show live every monday through friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.